Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And Sean Stevenson, come to the stage and motivate us. So, all right. I will say this. I was introduced to him uh, through Darren and Danielle, who you guys, a lot of you know, Darren and Danielle Natoni are really good friends of mine. And they were like, oh my gosh, you have to go be on Sean's podcast. You're going to love him. It was like immediately bro love at first sight. So uh, thank you for having me off. And we just spent the weekend with uh, Sean and his wife, Anne, who are absolutely incredible and amazing people. And I just thank you for being here today and giving us your time. Give it up to Sean, everybody. So we're ending the last section of this podcast, the attack of the two Sean's. That's what Let's I like. Go. It's Sean and Sean. He's and first, can I reiterate the fact that not everybody wants a super skinny model? Where's my thick wife at? Hey, yeah. stand up, Ann. Don't be hot. And it was her birthday a couple Jimmy. days ago. New Year's baby. Because <laughs> when you said the hips with the carrying the babies, I was like, she got that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what is your... Um, you know, I know you, we, we will talk a lot about food and, and all of the expert and, and things you write and articles you read. I mean, you research a lot. But just like in general, like human body, like what yeah. is your thought on that? Because, you know, a lot of people eat to lose. They, some people come to you to get skinny or they want to eat yeah. because they want to lose. Like, what, is your, what is your outlook on the human body? Yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with the human body. Not to the degree like I'm dreaming about, like my man, uh, Dr. Ellen. <laughs> He's dreaming about shoulders. <laughs> the wet dream shoulders. <laughs> oh, but, man. I mean, this is something at? that I constantly think about. And um, what I've come to learn, and I've been in this field for almost 20 years, and I know that we're all different, and we're all very special and unique. And if you look even back thousands of years at the, document, the documentation that we have as far as weight loss, treatment for disease and different things. There's noted in like Ayurvedic medicine, for example, there's different body types. And we, this is just how it is. You know, there's different constitutions. If anybody's familiar with like Ayurvedic medicine in here, but there's like Vata and Kapha. But then here we have like the mesomorph and the uh, endomorph. And so we're all different. But when we strive to try to be something we're not, that creates a lot of struggle. And I think that at the end of the day, what creates drama in our lives is when our life conditions don't match our blueprint of how things are supposed to be. Mm. You know, so we want to try to get to a place where our blueprint matches up <laughs> with that life condition. You know, and the greatest thing is, and what I really talk about, and the Model Health Show is creating your own model 
of what that looks like mm. and knowing that that model is the shit. Hey, yes, come through. <laughs> so, um, so everybody just kind of in your mind, just be like, I'm the shit, yo. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you have to love yourself. Like RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Facts. Um, what was your motivation for getting involved in the anatomy of food? Oh, man. You know, for many people, it's in your own struggle, you know, trying to figure stuff out. I thought I was going to play football. Um, you know, I was a neighborhood legend. And <laughs> <laughs> a neighborhood legend. And so, you know, I was playing football. I was doing uh, phenomenal. I, was, I ran a 4-5, 40-yard dash, which is like NFL time. I was just 15. And um, it was during track season, though, and I was doing a 200-meter sprint. And as I'm coming off the curve into the straightaway, my hip broke. And it broke? Yeah, the iliac crest, where I think he might have. Where I got my stem cells <laughs> from. <laughs> so it just broke off. And this is, and I, there was no trauma. I didn't fall. My hip just broke because my bones were so brittle. Mm. But I didn't know this until years later. And nobody stopped to ask, how did a 16, 15-year-old kid break his hip from running? That's usually reserved. We think about people that are a little bit older. And what we don't usually hear is that people don't generally fall and break their hip. They break their hip, then they fall. All right, and this is a process you know, that we talk about with aging. And so it, it took about four years until I got this diagnosis. I have degenerative bone disease, degenerative disc disease. And so my body was just breaking down internally. And I was a very old person inside of a young person's out exterior. You know, I, did, I had a blurry six pack going. And uh, so I looked fit, but inside I was just breaking down. And so me, and this is just, kind of pivoting on what he was talking about earlier. Number one, you want to make sure that you're working with somebody who has the same goals as you as far as your physician. You know, my physician was telling me that there's nothing I can do about this. Mm. And that's called a nocebo effect. So you guys know about a placebo. That's when you give a positive injunction that something good is going to happen and you believe it. And people don't really realize this, but placebos are about 33% effective on average in clinical trials. Your mind believing that this fake drug that you're taking, but you don't know it's fake, can kill your cancer cells. It's about 33% effective. Like, to the degree that we have cases where folks proceed to lose their hair, and they're not even taking actual chemotherapy medication because of how powerful our minds are, right? So that's a placebo effect. A nocebo effect is giving somebody a negative injunction that something bad is gonna happen. Mm. Like, you, you're not gonna be able to walk anymore. You have six weeks to live. This is incurable. And so that's what happened to me. And I believed him. And I went from a nuisance of a pain to chronic debilitating pain. And I spent the next about two years just in my uh, college one-bedroom apartment gaining weight, you know, like eating fast food almost every meal and playing a lot of video games, you know. And I barely got to class. I went from a full credit load to three credits and just barely hanging on. But everything changed. I was sitting on this edge of my bed, kind of like this, and I was holding my pill bottle in my hand because I had prescription medication and I had some over-the-counter stuff I found to be a good cocktail. One of my medications at the time was actually Celebrex. Have anybody heard of Celebrex? I Celebrex, yeah. I think it just came, went off the market recently, but one of the side effects of Celebrex is restless leg syndrome. But it wasn't a thing yet, because this was like two, in 2000 when it happened. So I, when I be trying to go to sleep, my legs just felt like they wanted to get up and run. It's the weirdest shit. But there was, it wasn't a name for it. And I'm just like, why won't my legs just stop? I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> and so the drugs I was taking was causing other side effects. But anyway, so I'm sitting on the edge of my bed looking at my pills. 
And it just kind of came rushing into my mind that all my physicians were telling me that they can't help me. And what I'm doing is not working. I'm a very analytical, logical person, as people know that listen to my show. And so it just came up like, if they're saying I can't get better and I want to get better, why am I listening to them? And so it was in that moment that I decided to get well. And most people never actually do that. It's more like, well, I'll give this a try. We'll see what happens. I, I, I hope this works. Hope is good, but it's not as powerful as the decision. And so in that moment, I decided to get well. Come what may, nothing is going to stop me. And all of the energy that I was putting into my physician's opinion and all the negative questions that I was carrying, and this is another big theme to take away, and maybe write down if you can, is that questions are the answer. There's a reflexive um, part of your brain that is, is literally hardwired to answer questions that you give it. And I had on loop in my mind, why me? Why me? Why won't somebody help me? And your brain is constantly scanning your internal and external environment to find and affirm reasons to why you. You know, so I was like, you know, you're kind of an asshole. You, you're not taking care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like all these different things, right? Yeah. And so I started to ask empowering questions like, what is it that I need to do to heal from this situation? What is it that I need to do to get better? And ultimately, I got to a place of asking, like, what is this trying to teach me? And there's so many gifts that came from that. That's why I'm even sitting here today is because of that. And so I put a plan together, though, because you can't just have the decision without action attached to it. And so I put a plan together. It was a very rudimentary plan. I was changing the way that I was eating. And I was changing my movement practices from nothing to something. <laughs> and I was changing the way, you know, improving my sleep quality. And long story short, um, about six weeks later, I lost about 20 pounds of the 40, 50 I put on in two years. And my pain was gone. That was the biggest thing. And ultimately, I got a scan done nine months later. And I completely regenerated my lost tissue from my spine. My disc, my two ruptured discs retracted and healed on their own. And um, my doctor was like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. He'd never seen anything like it. But what I'm here to say is that we all have this potential, you know. And just going back on what Dr. El Amin had said earlier about the power of stem cells, this is the power It was actually taking place in my body. Stem cells become anything your body needs. And little did I know that our bodies are a pharmacy for stem cells, but there's also external things that we can bring in. And so there's foods like spirulina that I found out about. And there's a study published in PLOS One by the Public Library of Science found that spirulina can create something called stem cell genesis, which is the creation of stem cells, endogenous stem cells in your own body. And so I just started to find out about all these incredible foods, and I became obsessed and just found ways to get them into my body. And the rest is history. I de dedicated my life to telling everybody about it. I love it. Um, yeah, I'll give you a hand for that. So, you know, you brought this up uh, about the placebo and, you know, people here on their own. And, you know, we had a conversation at the dinner last night, you know, because I think sometimes people think I'm weird, but I'm fine with that now. I'm getting fine with that. But I used to get, I used to start getting sick, like get a cold. And I literally would sit on the edge of my bed and I would be like, you're not gonna get sick. I'd be like, you're not gonna get sick. 30 minutes later, every sign of the cold that I had went away. Mm. Some people are probably like, okay, Sean. <laughs> I'm so serious, y'all. Like, I'm so serious. And then, you know, I hit a point in my life where I started going through a lot. And then, so, I really stopped believing that, not necessarily that I had the power, but I stopped believing that my mind was powerful. 
And I literally just got back into that not too long ago, which is really interesting last night when uh, Eliza said to me, she was like, you know, I really think that you need to believe your power and attach to your power more. Um, and so I just kind of got back, started getting back into that. It's just like, no. Scott would be like, take coldies. And I'd be like, no. And he never really knew why I, would, I, wouldn't, I wasn't taking coldies, but I was getting back into being, saying, no, my mind is going to do this. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm not saying this everybody or everything that you get sick with or the flu or whatever, but for me, as a kid, I would do that. And so it's, I just think it's really powerful that you, you talked about that. But the external things that you put in your body really enhance the quality of how your body works in yeah. general. So let's talk yeah. about food. Oh, man, I got some things to say. Okay. Um, so I think the most important place to start when we're talking about food is understanding that it's a relationship. Like, we have relationships. When we think about relationships, we usually think about people. But... Food is something that, besides our interaction with other people and sex, food is something we take and put inside of our bodies. And it's a very intimate relationship. And it's something that we interact with every single day. So it's not something to just, uh, you know, whittle down to, you know, eat this, not that. You know, all these little cookie cutter diets. It's so complex and so amazing. There's so many facets to it. And it's also important, just to go back on what you just said, to understand that our minds are the most powerful pharmacy in the world, you know? And our minds and our bodies interact with the molecules of those foods. And so part of this and taking control of how we're interacting with our food starts with, for me, especially today when we have so much crazy stuff going on, so much external noise, so many opportunities to eat, I found that the greatest bridge for people is to understand their bodies a little bit and to give that belief legs. So there's a certain type of food that you want to choose to eat, but you find it hard. It's because we don't have enough legs to those beliefs to where it's just who you are. I just eat this way because it's who I am. And so if I can teach for a little bit. You can. Uh, I want to start with talking about fat. You know, yes, yes. So fat is, for me, I don't think we value it enough because when we hear fat, we think like this is, I'm trying to terminate this shit. Instead of understanding like, <laughs> There's so, fat is something that's literally keeping you alive, but there's different types of fat. And so when we're talking about the fat that we're trying to eliminate, there's two camps that this is falling into generally. We're looking at visceral fat and subcutaneous fat, all right? So subcutaneous fat is the fat that's kind of just right under your skin, all right? And we all need this subcutaneous fat. It's kind of like a, a translation point between your environment and your internal world. There's so many nerves and blood vessels flowing through that subcutaneous fat that gives information about how you feel and how you're connecting with your environment, all right? So it's, it's super important. Women tend to carry more subcutaneous fat. Makes you a little thicker, all right? Now, visceral fat, this is what we call, it's also known as omentum fat, which the translation for that, if we're looking back at the Greek, it means fatty apron. So this is the, this is the, the fat we tend to carry around our bellies. There is subcutaneous fat here. But visceral fat is like the fat that's around your organs, around your liver, around your digestive system. All right, this is where we get this quote belly fat, but it's a little bit harder. Like it's, you know, like some people will have a beer belly and it's a little bit firmer to the touch. And so visceral fat tends to develop more in men, tend to carry more visceral fat, a little bit more. We all have both. All right, so those are the two main types. And we'll come back and talk about these in a minute, how to target them. The third type that I don't, I don't, 
hardly ever hear anybody talk about. It's called intramuscular fat. All right, so if you think about this, if you want to get a picture on what it looks like, if you think about a steak, like a marbling of a steak, it has those little marble, the marbling to it, you like that too inside. That fat is intramuscular fat, and that fat is usually used for on-site use for your muscles while you're working out, doing my man's stuff, all right? So it's kind of important. Uh, then we have other types of fat that we're just now talking about in popular culture, which is brown fat. Who's heard of brown fat? All right. So a lot of people haven't heard of brown fat. All right, so brown fat is a type of fat that actually burns fat, all right? And the issue with this is that you only have a little bit, okay? It's usually kind of right around your neck area, um, your, your shoulder area, and a little bit on your spine. And so brown fat works like, kind of like muscle in that it burns fat. And the reason that it's brown is so it's dense in mitochondria, all right? Now we're gonna come back to mitochondria because I'm gonna tell you exactly how your body burns fat for fuel in just a moment. Okay, it happens in your mitochondria. Okay, this is where fat actually gets burned. And that's the shit that really bothers me is that we hear about all these diets, but nobody knows how does your body actually burn fat. Where, the, where does it go? There's a lot of fat released in this room probably today, but where does it go? Does it go to another universe? Is it shit in the air? Am I breathing your fat? <laughs> we don't know. And so if you get educated on this stuff and you really learn about it, it's, it's so empowering, right? So we got brown fat. And we got another kind of fat. Does anybody know what it is by chance? It starts with a B as well. What's that? Black fat? Ooh. Close. It's another color. It's beige fat. All right. <laughs> and so beige fat is really interesting because the, in the stem cell precursors, it's a different type of fat than um, subcutaneous fat, and it's a different type of fat than brown fat. But it has the ability to become each. Okay, mm. and depending on your lifestyle, you can push the beige fat cells, you can make them get a little tan, or you can make them turn into the white adipose tissue, which is a subcutaneous, okay? So those are the different types of fat, all right? So now we know what we're dealing with. And when we're talking about targeting fat, we gotta understand, we're not trying to get rid of all of your fat. Your fat is keeping you alive. Every single cell, you have trillions of cells, is protected by a fatty membrane. And if you lose that fat, you turn into a little pile of Shanti soup. Right? So, the two we're targeting, subcutaneous and visceral fat, all right? So, where does this visceral fat come from? It generally comes from an overproduction or overactivity of insulin storage process, all right, to make it super simple. And it's usually driven by excess carbohydrate intake, all right? Now, we can still have carbs, but we all have a carbohydrate tipping point where we make this process turn on a little bit faster, a little bit more, okay? So, just to go back really quickly, and then I'm passing back to my man because I'm taking no, over here. No, no, I'm here for uh, it. When I said earlier about where does your fat go, do you want me to tell you actually where it goes? Okay. This is crazy. So uh, this is published in BMJ, British Medical Journal. What they did was they looked at the pathway of fat as it's being burned in the body and move, moving out of, the, out of the body. And so what they discovered was 10 kilograms of fat in, in its processing ended up well, when we're talking about fat, what does this actually mean? So you've got a fat cell, right? And when you're born, most of your fat cells are already there. They just get bigger or they get smaller, okay? And so we're not actually killing fat cells very often. That's not really a thing. But your fat cells get bigger because they're getting packed with something called triglycerides. Who's heard of triglycerides before? That should be most of us. 
So tri means three, so these three fatty acid molecules and a glyceride molecule as well. So it's getting filled with these triglycerides. What we're trying to do is open that cell and burn that shit, okay? Burn what's inside here, burn these triglycerides. This process happens through beta oxidation and some other things, but basically it's sent to your mitochondria, which are the energy power, power plants in your cells, and it's burned, okay? But now when it burns, where does it go? So what they found was that when they traced the activity of the fat getting burned, 84% of it was burned through, and oh, I can't leave this out, just for the nerds. So that triglyceride is made of, we're all made of just atoms, we're just chemicals. Hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. 84% of the fat we burn is eliminated as carbon dioxide, we breathe it out, all right? So we think that sweating is how we're losing a lot of fat. It is true, 16% is through the elimination of fluids, but this is also urine, seminal fluid, all right, you losing a little bit of weight when you released your fluids. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's true. It's true. I love you so I see my man here. He's looking like back and forth like. <laughs> well, is that how I got to lose fat? <laughs> So oh most God. of it is lost. <laughs> and take them back to L.A., please. Where you at? <laughs> most of it is actually lost through breathing. And what the research has found is that about a third of your fat is actually lost via when you breathe during sleep. Mm. All right? So we think all of this work we're doing when we're awake is the secret, but it's a combination of all of these things, and it's living a listing life. All right? So that's how your body actually uses the fat that we're trying to get rid of, all right? So we want to support these processes and do it through the use of great food, great sleep, and movement practices like what my man teaches. Yeah, so it's, um, it's interesting because I have uh, a course that I just released that most people in here who are doing my static program, it's called The Mood for Food. And I don't give a diet. You know, I do intermittent fasting every day um, at almost, like, I would say 98% of the time unless there's a really great breakfast place around. Um, and so in the first module, you know, I, it doesn't talk about a lot of the science. If you guys want really good science, go to Sean. Um, but it talks about just like the, the, the motivation and the energy and the fuel and just how food makes you feel in general. Yeah. And so I just want you to touch on that for a second because, you know, again, and I provide, I tell people what they eat, but let's talk about like, what happens when someone, you know, you, you give them this information, like everyone's heard, you know, the, you, basically you make good choices, you work out, you make good food choices, you sleep really well, you're burning more fat. But where's the motivation come to stick to that? Like how, because mentally, people are like, I'm going to do this for a little bit, and then they yeah. stop. Where's the motivation come to stick to that? Yeah, and, and you know this too, everybody's unique. We all have a unique pathway to the goal. And so, but there are some general things that seem to be a consistency for many people. 
Um, I think part of it is how you train your brain. Like you were talking about earlier and training your brain to say, I'm fine too, you know? Like it's a, it's a process. And so we have to train our brain to acknowledge results. And that's an issue, especially if you, the number one driving force of the human psyche, the number one driving force of your mind is to stay congruent with the ideas you carry about yourself. And so if you believe yourself to be this certain person, I'm this kind of person, every action you take is going to help to affirm that thing. And if you do something outside, you do an action that's not in alignment with that, the psyche, the opinion you have of yourself, it creates discomfort. And we are also driven as human beings, we're hardwired to move back to comfort. You know, comfort feels good. But we're also driven to be more. And this has helped human evolution, you know, because we can't just sit still. We have to grow. We have to take care of our family. We have to see what the potential is that we all have. And so for me, a big part of that is getting some wins and acknowledging the wins too. You know, a lot of times, even if we start getting wins, how many people have, you might see a picture of yourself Maybe, maybe you've you know, been doing Sean's program and you lost five pounds, but you feel like, you know, I should have lost 10. But then you see your picture and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know I made this kind of transformation. You have to understand these objective measurements. And that's a whole other conversation. But objective measurements are really important for me because it's going to be different for different people what, really, what your brain is operating on as far as like, oh, this is working, right? Because we need feedback that something is working. So that's number one. Number two, for me, and this is a huge thing, 2020 for me, we just talked about this on the live, 2020 is all about relationships. Mm. You need support and accountability. Like doing this stuff on your own is just really setting yourself up for failure. You know, it's possible. I did a lot of stuff by myself when I was going through my healing process, you know, personally, but if I look back on it, man, there were so many critical people that helped me along that journey, you know? So being at an event like this is absolutely priceless. And it's not just because of spending time with us, it's the people in this room that you get to connect with. And these are your family here, you know? And once you have a fit fam, like in real life, it's incredible, you know? Because you get to see it, there's also these, has anybody here heard of mirror neurons? Okay, cool. So there are, there are certain cells that are in our brain, we call them mirror neurons. And what they're doing is they're always kind of running a simulation of anything that you're experiencing. So whatever you're listening to, whatever you're watching, your brain is running these mirror neurons, is running a simulation as if you were doing the thing. So as everybody in here is watching me talk, there's cells in your brain simulating you doing this thing. And you wonder like, is that really true? This is why we feel stuff. Like when we're watching a movie, it's just a fucking movie. <laughs> these are actors, but we feel emotional. My wife was just crying on the way over here on a plane. <laughs> crying, and it's just actors in a, on, a, on a set. It's because of these mirror neurons, all right? And so this is going on whether you understand it, whether you believe it or not. And the more that you are around and exposed to certain messages, your brain is being, what we say in, in, in our field is that neurons that fire together wire together. You're literally creating new wiring in your brain the more that you're exposing yourself to certain messages. So for me, 2020, get yourself in empowering relationships, you know? And also, this doesn't mean that you have to ghost whoever. Because everybody in here knows, like, there's some people in your life, you know who they are, they got bad vibes. And if you don't know that person, it's you. <laughs> All right? So everybody knows who that person is or those people. And it's not just like, you know, I can't, I'm not, I'm not messing with them anymore. It's more like, you know what, I love them 
from afar, mm. right? I'll love you from over here. We can still go and kick it, do that other thing we do. Like, we like to go skate together, but we're not about, not about to hang out and go to the club or whatever else, all right? So you can compartmentalize. So 2020 is about relationships and compartmentalize that stuff, all right? So I hope that helps answer your no, question. No, it helps. Uh, that was a, uh, a truth bomb. Uh, the last thing I say, and I say this for the end because I know a lot of people ask you about food, and while you do enjoy it, like one of the things I used to get a lot of times when I do Q&A is like, well, you know, what do you eat? And I'm like, it ain't like you're going to go home and eat it. So, <laughs> like, why are you worried about what I eat? You know what I mean? So, let's talk about a plate. All right. Like, if, yeah. if, if you wanted to feel powerful yeah. at every meal, what's on your plate? Mm. And the reason why I ask that is just because I think, and you guys will see, and, you know, I think you should have a relationship with your food, but it's not like, oh, you should have a great relationship with food. Like, talk to the food. Like, I talk to it. I legit talk to it. People have seen me do it mm. before. I'm like, M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you, I had, okay, so here, I'll tell you this in, while you get your answer together, which is probably already together. But, so last night, we had, I had an amazing dinner, spent it with amazing people, right? So I'm like, I go home and I'm still a little bit hungry. I didn't eat enough truffle fries. So I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, man, I want some M&M's so bad right now. I was like, oh my God, peanut M&M's, I want it bad. And I, and I contemplated it for about 30 minutes. I was like, okay. But I wasn't contemplating being like, are you gonna get fat? Are you gonna do this? I was just like, you know, how is this going to make you feel when you're done eating it? You know? I was like, well, I'm not working out. Even though Lauren told me that my glucose is going to spike, I'm like, I ain't got time. And I was just like, you know what? I have been, like, I did a 20-hour fast yesterday, and I didn't have a donut. I got a fake donut from Lori. Where you are? Where you look? I got a fake donut from Lori. I didn't get to eat it. I did have a cookie at dinner, but that didn't count. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to eat these M&Ms. And I totally forgot that I ate the M&Ms until just now. However, There'd be times where I would eat those M&Ms and I would finish the M&Ms. I'm like, I can't believe I ate that. Yeah. Like, and I would beat myself up. And that's why I had the conversation and I talked to the M&Ms. I'm like, M&Ms, like, what are you going to do for me right now? <laughs> they're like, they're either going to say, you're going to be mad as hell when you finish these because you haven't been committed. Or they're going to say, like, we're going to live. Like, we're going to have a good time. You know, like, <laughs> you're going to live in a glucose spike. Right? <laughs> The majority of time, now, I don't have many of those conversations with things like M&M's or donuts anymore, because I know Fridays I'm going to have my donuts, and I'm going to have M&M's when I want to, but 90% of my meals are going to make me feel good. I talk the same way to the food that I feel makes me feel good. So then I throw it back to you. What is like a powerful, not just like how it fires in your body and, and gets to your cells, what does a powerful plate look like for you? Yeah, and just a quick caveat is that I'm very much in alignment. This is why we click is that I'm a big proponent, what I call it for me is the 80 plus percent rule. And so just making sure that 80 plus percent of my food is based on real food that I can recognize where it comes from, right? And so this gets into a conversation and this is where we started about how does your body actually burn fat for fuel? And everybody's heard of the macros, right? What are the three macros? Basic, you know, this is basic stuff. Do y'all know we, how many calories are in each? No, I'm <laughs> But what I we do. don't hear, yes. four, four, nine. what we don't hear is that there's two other macronutrients that don't get a lot of respect, don't get a lot of love. Water is one. Who said that? 
Come through, John. Yeah, come through, man. <laughs> so water is one and alcohol is the other. Mm. We don't really think about alcohol as even counting a lot of times. Kind of like the cookie you had, right? <laughs> Shade. But your body, <laughs> but your body does something really interesting with alcohol. It actually shuts down the process of uh, this kind of burning fat for fuel, and it immediately uses those alcohol calories first. It takes a priority when it comes into your system. So these are all macronutrients. But the three we're talking about in the context of food, this is huge, what I'm going to share with you. Your body processes each one of these a little bit differently. These are all important, but I think a big problem is that our, I went to a traditional university, is that we, we've created these into a religion. Mm. And so now today, fat is like God. It's the big one, everybody's like, you know, keto ended up and, you know, whatever, which is, it works for some people at some times. It just depends. I'm not saying that it's, it's not a valuable system. But before, it was carbohydrates where the, was, was the king on the hill, right? But not a lot of people talk about protein. You know, it's like we swing in these camps and protein's like Rodney Dangerfield, like, <laughs> get no respect. <laughs> that was good, right? That was pretty good. Oh my God. That was pretty good. <laughs> So protein, what's so interesting about protein is protein has this very strong thermogenic effect. So your body burns more calories trying to process the protein you eat than anything else, all right? And so what we tend to see missing in a lot of folks that are like, you know, doing a vegan or vegetarian approach that aren't getting adequate amounts of protein is that, you know, we get into the situation where they're continuously flooding their body with a lot of car carbohydrates and they have to work out a lot more because their food is getting stored oftentimes as fat because of the insulin process, right? What drives up insulin more than any, the three macronutrients? Carbohydrates, right? Proteins can do it too. It's a process called gluconeogenesis, and fat does it in a kind of roundabout way. But carbohydrates drive that process. And so what we all need to do, whether we're doing a vegan protocol, paleo, keto, whatever, is making sure that we're getting adequate amounts of protein for us. That can be a straight up game changer. Most people that I found, and this is a thing in our society, because of the headlines, we think that we're a protein obsessed culture and everybody's eating too much protein, but the data shows otherwise. The data shows that we're not getting enough. For some groups of people, like elderly folks, it's not even close to enough, all right? So for you, if you're looking at bumping up your protein, and there's different, I don't like these formulas because it doesn't, it depends on the person. But you know, you could be like, half a gram per pound of body weight, you know what I mean? But you can look at these different formulas, but I like the results process, mm. you know? Like for real, for me, it's like testing. Who here does, um, who here has breakfast each day? Who here thinks that they get in a nice amount of protein in their breakfast? Okay, let me see, what, what's your sources? Eggs. Eggs. Eggs, shout out to eggs. What's that? Kodiak pancakes. Carbs with protein? I don't know. I've... What kind of, pro is it protein powder in the pancakes? Okay, Kodiak pancakes. Damn, <laughs> I know Kodiak bears. Do you put syrup on it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Just ask it. <laughs> so the reason that I'm asking, the reason that I'm asking Did is, the facts. Even if you're getting in that 20 grams of, of protein to start the day, that might not be enough. You know, maybe if you bump it up to maybe 30, 
or maybe even 40, I know it sounds crazy, to start your day. Because in the, in the, in the research, what we're finding is that, and basically they did a study where they allow folks to either have a bagel or, or protein or eggs for breakfast. And the folks who ate the eggs for breakfast, and we're looking at this could be anywhere from you know, uh, 15 to 30 grams of protein, burned more fat throughout the day, had a higher secretion of leptin and other satiety hormones, and they ended up losing more weight at the end of the study, significantly more weight, like three times more weight. You know? And I grew up, my professors were telling me, eat a whole wheat bagel, right? Eat whole wheat cereal, okay? But again, those things, not that I can't have the bagel, but how you start your day really matters a lot. Right? There's this term that breakfast, you know, it's the, what is it, breakfast of champions? Mm -hmm. It's not Wheaties, that's marketing. You know what I mean? So just that one thing, maybe getting in some protein, maybe it's just a protein powder when you get up in the morning. You know, but again, all of this stuff is gonna depend on you. So I just wanna share that thermogenic effect with protein. Make sure you pay more attention to protein than what the media is talking about. Uh, the carbohydrates, mind your carbohydrate tipping point. So for me, my plate for breakfast, it might look like eggs, or you can turn the eggs into something sexy like an omelet or uh, a chorizo breakfast scramble. You know, you can make it sexy. Um, you know, for some avocado. She said, did you say avocado? A little fun fact about avocado. Avocado is the is a name that's used in South America, and it means testicle fruit. <laughs> I don't know why this keeps coming up, but and they grow on trees in pairs as well. <laughs> They're great for your reproductive system. It's messy. So. <laughs> also, in that breakfast meal, to get some high-quality fats, or any meal, so this is my, my ideal plate, is a high-quality source of protein, whole food protein, ideally. Um, high-quality fats, which there's some fats in the eggs, but also things like avocado, it could be some nuts and seeds. Nuts in the data, it's, so, it's, it's, it's just crazy to me. They have some of the most thermogenic activity. Like, just eating 300 calories of almonds, you're gonna burn like 140 of that, just digesting the almonds, right? And so, and, but then where's our carbohydrates at? Now, with the keto movement, we still know, even in, in, sci in, the, in the field of nutrition, nutritional science, that your brain still has to run on some glucose. Your body can make it through gluconeogenesis, or you can get it from protein, which can make it. But there are certain parts of your brain that have to have uh, glucose. Ketones can help run some processes, so you need some carbohydrates, even if you're doing keto. For the rest of us, carbohydrates are fun. All right, and I'm a big fan of fun. And so finding that amount of fun that you can get into your, your different foods. I'm a big fan of having the carbohydrates later in the day. We think we get in the morning and we can burn it off, right? But that's not really how it works because you're setting up your metabolism for the day when you have carbohydrates in the morning to be running from behind, if that makes sense, all right? Because you're gonna encourage, the great thing about carbohydrates, here's why we love them so much that people don't really tell you, is that you start to produce serotonin when you eat carbohydrates, right? This feel-good neurotransmitter. That's why we like them, all right? This is just one of the reasons. And so if you just pull that out, I don't know if anybody's met somebody doing keto that's a bit of a dick. <laughs> I've done keto, I do keto sometimes, but that serotonin hit can make somebody really happy, okay? So finding places in your day to give yourself some carbohydrates. We love whole food carbohydrates. What are some, give me a couple of whole food, high quality carbohydrate sources. 
Sweet potato. Huh? Quinoa. Who said that? Who said it? Can you say it again because you said it sexy? <laughs> she was like, quinoa. <laughs> so quinoa, what else? What? Green vegetables. Oh, shit. We just, this is the one. What do we, where do vegetables fit in this macronutrient? They're carbohydrate dominant foods, okay? So this is a great place to really get those carbohydrates in your body with a tremendous amount of macronutrients that help to regulate your hunger and satiety hormones. One of the last thing I'm gonna say is that all of this process and us being able to maintain the diet that we choose is based off of our hunger and cravings. If you're doing a diet where you're hungry and irritable, it's not gonna last long. And your relationships aren't gonna last long, okay? So we gotta make sure that we're minding how our body is processing the food so we're producing more satiety hormones, PPY, um, leptin, we talked about adiponectin, all of these different things. And I can, you know, we could just spend the whole time just talking about different foods that do that. Bottom line is real food. A huge source of that encouragement is through green leafy vegetables. So even in the morning when we're having our omelet, pack that thing with spinach or make some sauteed spinach to go with it. Maybe a little bit of, you know, I like, to make you know, cabbage, curry cabbage, or which isn't technically a green vegetable, but you could do uh, kale, you could do whatever. There's so many different ones, all right? But make sure, for me, that perfect plate, every meal, get in a source of green leafy vegetables, if at all possible, or some type of fibrous vegetable. That's changing the definition of how we see best, uh, breakfast in our culture. Because for, in our culture, we see breakfast as dessert, real talk. You know, it's like the muffin, it's the pancakes. The bagel with cream cheese. I love pancakes, by the way, but pancake, it's a cake. <laughs> if you told somebody, if Sean asked you, so what do you eat for breakfast? You're like, cake? He's gonna be like, you're fucking up. <laughs> but it's actually, it's a, a pancake is socially acceptable because it's flat, right? Or what is a muffin? Muffin is a cupcake without, the, without a hat. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> just changing the definition of how we see our breakfast, make sure we get in some green leafy vegetables at, at, at every meal possible is a huge game changer because of what it does here, hunger and satiety hormones, and helping encourage this process of fat loss. Guys, please follow Sean on Instagram. And please listen to the show, The Model Health Show, Sean Stevenson, thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.